Hello everyone, and welcome to They're Not Cousins, a 90s anime podcast by three ladies who love anime but are bad at watching it. I'm Josie. I'm Allie. And I'm Cassie. Hey ladies. It is October. We are deep into the spookiest month, and uh, I figured, you know, we're obviously not going to any parties or anything this year, but I thought it would be fun to check in and see, like, if you were getting dressed up, what costume would you have picked this year? I would have picked Isabel from Animal Crossing, because she was really the person who we needed at the beginning of the pandemic. She was there for us, and I feel like Dressing as her, I would be able to bring some of that energy into the long, dark winter of Corona. Also, I would be totally into having a huge cup of vacation juice right now. Now, I don't play Animal Crossing, but vacation juice is alcoholic, right? It's never really stated. Like, she could just be having a really nice mocktail, a great uh, iced tea. Um, But, you know, the implication is there. (laughs) Yeah, I, I really like the idea of uh, Allie's going as a drunk golden retriever for Halloween. Thank you. <laughs> it, it doesn't she have like fluffy ears? Wouldn't that make her something else? Is she like oh, a she's, Pomeranian? No, she's actually a Shih Tzu. Oh, okay. Oh, wow. I'm really yeah. showing my ignorance here. Oh. That's okay. You know, I at the beginning when I was uh, buying the supplies to make her ears, I think I called her a Pomeranian or something, and my husband was quick to say, Allie, you are a fucking fan of this. How do you not know? Why? Because it doesn't <laughs> matter that much. We know she's a dog. Yeah, and I'm not really much of a dog person, so like, you know, mm, I got off my back. <laughs> but you want to be the dog. Exactly. Oh no, you don't want to be a dog girl, Allie. We've already covered this. Have we? <laughs> Damn no, but we covered him in my mind. <laughs> and that is where it shall stay. That person, Edward. All right, Cassie, can you do any better? What's your Halloween costume? Oh, gosh. I'm so bad at Halloween. Like, I always have big plans, and then I end up just wearing some leftover costume from my closet. <laughs> because my closet is just filled with random costumes. Can confirm, Yeah. <laughs> It's too many costumes. Okay, so if you had to combine two costumes to make a Halloween costume, what would you do this year? Okay, let's see what we have in my closet. Oh yeah, let's new podcast <laughs> segment. We're going into uh, Cassie's closet. What's in my closet? A new segment. <laughs> Fashion <laughs> alert! <laughs> I have giant wings, some leather coats. Um... So I'm hearing Angel Sanctuary. Yeah, there we go. Angel Sanctuary. <laughs> Perfect cosplay. Bam, we got there. Perfect obscure Halloween cosplay that everyone will totally get. I think there's something to be said for having a Halloween costume that nobody knows what you are. You almost have a one-up on them. It's like, yeah, I know what I am. Do you? No? Give me the candy. Bye. <laughs> I- I'm going to slam the door on you. <laughs> I'm not sure anyone would give me candy if I showed up at their house. They'd be like, um, 911, there's an adult dressed like an angel outside. What do I do? <laughs> you are dead-ass 30 right now. <laughs> But how about you, Josie? Uh, so I think this year I would have gone with She-Ra from the Netflix oh, show. Oh, good costume. Yeah, very good. If anybody hasn't watched it out there, I recommend it. You just got to kind of like power through season one where it's like, oh, this is definitely a kid's show. But then you get to episode eight and you're like, oh, no, this actually has stakes and is interesting. And by the end of it, you're crying and you're sobbing and it's amazing. Oh, no. So you're, you're saying that it's going to give me big Steven Universe energy. 
Oh yes, absolutely. If you haven't watched it yet, I highly, highly, highly recommend it. It's on Netflix. It's really, really good. And I'm super late to the party. Shira is the tallest, strongest, blondest gay, and I love her just immensely. Perfect. Um, so yeah, I'd either do that or go as the ghost of American democracy, one or the other. You just do like old timey sheet ghosts, but with an American flag instead. <laughs> Ooh, democracy's dead. Yes. With like a powdered wig over the top. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That was a throwaway joke for me, but I think that's actually really, really funny. The idea of a ghost, <laughs> an American flag ghost with a powdered wig. That's so good. <laughs> Well, now we know what to look out for for next Halloween. <laughs> Nine one one. There's a strange person. Uh, there's a strange <laughs> flag ghost on my lawn. Please send help. <laughs> hey, police! Is this a hate crime? I think this is a hate crime. <laughs> Enough about that. <laughs> We've got a Sailor Moon episode to discuss for everyone. So why don't we get into it, Cassie? Do you want to start us off by reading the officially sanctioned plot synopsis for episode three? Yes. Let me move a window here. <laughs> <laughs> Just carrying a, a glass window pane that's going to get run through by a guy carrying a pie. And then the pie man tells us the synopsis. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways. Some days you just can't get rid of a bomb. This time on Sailor Moon, episode three, the mysterious sleeping sickness. Protect the girls in love. All the girls are tuning into a late-night radio program called Midnight Zero. Meanwhile, a strange sleeping sickness plagues the town and puts many people to sleep, including Miss Haruda and Naru. Wow. wow. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> cool. I didn't, yeah. I didn't know if we were done. It yeah. felt like it was going on. Same. That, that's it. That's the, that's the whole thing. <laughs> the synopsis actually just gives you everything that happens in the episode. <laughs> yeah. That was very good, Cassie. Thank you. We're changing things up a little bit. We start this episode out in Queen Beryl's throne room where we are just staring Bitey Gerald right in his angler fish dragon thing face. And Jadeite is lying his butt off at work, which is a fun way to start an episode, honestly. Everything is going as planned, but if only you could give me just a little more time, our success would truly be assured. Jadeite gives the message, everything is going completely 100% according to plan, boss. Yeah. Okay, Jadeite. I, I think that my favorite part of that was, you know, while he's lying his ass off, the cultists are just quiet. They had nothing to say. They were like, we're not part of this. <laughs> You're on your own, Jadeite. <laughs> they don't want to back his lie, but they don't want to uh, call him out either. Exactly. They are complicit. <laughs> Yeah, this is very corporate culture, which their terminology is also kind of corporate for some reason. <laughs> I'm just imagining uh, Jadeite being like, of course, the numbers are going to look bad at the start of the second quarter, but I'm confident that if we effectively leverage our synergistic assets, we'll see some strategic improvement to our brand trajectory and build our core competencies. And Queen Barrel is just cool with that. Yeah, she, she's like, be sure to CC me on all of your TPS reports, so that way I can... <laughs> see the numbers for myself <laughs> he, he yeah. pulls out like a powerpoint and a, a laser pointer and he's like please turn your eyes to the screen while i show you some graphs <laughs> and queen barrel is literally just on facebook yep <laughs> she's looking at her phone <laughs> <laughs> She's like, great, great job, yeah, Jedi. Yeah. Cool. She is completely checked out for this. She actually reminds Jedi that the success of their entire organization rests on his effort. And I'm like, 
Hey, Beryl, I know that this cult slash support group that you've got going on is pretty depressing because of their pessimistic outlook on literally everything, but you need to consider going on Craigslist because there are good actual employees who need jobs out there, and this dude is not cutting it. It just makes me wonder in this organization if they have an ERP. Uh, Every organization that I've worked for always has one of those, like, you know, if you're having a lot of stress, you can call us and we will talk you down from whatever problems you're having. We're going to let HR know that you called us. We're not going to tell them what you talked to us about, but it will be on your permanent record. I wonder if that's why we don't hear a whole lot. Yeah, I think it's more like if he takes advantage of that, then they just murder him. Oh, wow. wow. <laughs> yeah. They're like, what? You're too stressed to perform properly? <laughs> Death. So it is just like corporate America. <laughs> yeah. Yep. <laughs> Oh, God, it's so real. It's too real. We are seeing the city skyline at night, and all the girls in the show are listening to some kind of podcast where people submit love letters Mm -hmm. to be read to the audience by the host. And I gotta get ahead of this right now. Yes, listeners, I will introduce a segment where we do this on our podcast. Just submit (laughs) your love letters to they'renotcousinscast at gmail.com. I feel like this has a lot of monetization potential. Yeah. Oh, because it's other people doing all of the work for us. Exactly. And, you know, literally, we're just going to be reading all of what some, you know, sap from Hoboken has to say about their doomed love. And then it's perfect. Can you check the information for who's actually listening? Like, are there people in Hoboken right now that we have now turned (laughs) off of the podcast forever? I don't think anyone's listening. (laughs) That's fair. That's a very fair point. I, I do have Google Analytics turned on, so I can drill down into that data if I care enough. But I think that it's literally like three people that we know. Yeah, if you could <laughs> send me that TPS report. It'll be on your desk by 10 o'clock tonight. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> uh, oh, I do want to make a note that if you send us love letters, they absolutely have to be PG-13. I cannot stress this enough. Allie's life is hard enough without having to read your Goku slash Optimus Prime slash fic. Oh, no. Okay, look, you don't you don't know what my life has been like. I will read that shit forever. Allie loves Optimus Prime fan fiction. <laughs> right, but... <laughs> she told me that the other day. Please send it to her. She wants it. So I put the, the emphasis on the wrong aspect of this. It cannot be explicit about what is happening. <laughs> oh, it has to leave something to the imagination? Right, exactly. This is an actually love line. <laughs> oh, man. But if it were... Oh, God. <laughs> Another 90s reference. I'm gonna, like, show myself as being ignorant again. What is Loveline? So Loveline was another... Was it on MTV or VH1, Cass? I don't remember. I think it was MTV. I think you could also listen on the radio. Yes. But it was basically a call-in show where uh, people would, you know, call in with their romantic love problems. And Dr. Drew, I remember that was his name, uh, he would basically give you a prescription for love to fix whatever the issue was (laughs) people would call it with the most ridiculous scenarios and problems and just absolute ludicrous stuff and it was amazing it was so good these days you can get that same fix if you listen or read savage love another highly not safe for work recommendation but if you like hearing a very erudite and funny gay man tell you how to uh, fix your romantic troubles and by romantic troubles i mean it's all sex uh 
Do it. <laughs> All right. I'm going to run with that recommendation. Please Thank do. you. I'm so sad that I missed out on oh, this. It's okay. <laughs> Apparently, there was a lot of stuff happening on MTV that I just was not watching. Well, it was one of those things that was like, oh, I'm a kid, and it would be bad if my parents knew I was watching it, but I'm going to watch it anyway. <laughs> I just remember in high school driving around at like midnight listening to Loveline on the radio. Yep. So <laughs> that too. Oh my God. God, Cassie, you sound so cool in high school. Yeah, we were always out till whatever time in the morning because our parents didn't care. Yep. Were you wearing uh, sunglasses and like drinking brewskis? No. <laughs> we weren't that cool. Oh, okay. <laughs> Bring it down a little bit, guys. Bring it down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we were cool enough to be out at Denny's all night, but not cool enough to be drunk while doing it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't... Is can Are you allowed to go into Denny's if you're not drunk? I thought... <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's rarer, but yeah. still allowed. Oh, okay. I thought they had breathalyzers outside of the restaurant and the doors wouldn't open unless you were above a certain point. <laughs> the thing about this podcast that they're listening to, they send you a magical flower brooch that guarantees you will find love if you send in your love letter. And I, I felt like I should note that we're not going to do that if you send us your love letters, because I only have one of those brooches and I am using it. So back off. Oh, you have one? Oh, damn it. So I would like one too, because as we've discussed off the pod, I am a really poor sleeper. And I think that if I had this brooch, it might actually help me get some actual rest. <laughs> We're, we're not to that part in the show yet, Allie. Spoilers. Oh, look. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm just using it to find love, and I've found love, and everybody else can sit and spin, basically. Um, <laughs> that's what I was getting at. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fine. So speaking of these brooches, Usagi wants one, understandably. They're, uh, they're really pretty, and she can't have mine, so she starts brainstorming with Luna as to whom she should dress her love letter to. And I'm like, Matoki. Like, it, it's Matoki. Mm. Duh. Just send it to Matoki. Please send it to Matoki. <laughs> Usagi, what are you doing? I appreciated how I felt like throughout this episode, Usagi was like, you know, I just don't have an imagination. <laughs> you know, I can't think of who I have a crush on who I would want to write creatively about. And that made me think, maybe I really am like Usagi. Maybe she has aphantasia too, where she can't imagine pictures in her head. Because like, literally, I can't do that. So I was like, Usagi, once again, here I am. I, I want to sleep all day. I want to eat all day. And now I can't imagine things. I guess I am Usagi. I think we're all Usagi sometimes, but Ali <laughs> seems to be more Usagi than most. I don't know if I should be flattered. <laughs> I think it's great because Usagi is lovely. And in the Viz dub, she wants to, you know, send this love letter. And interestingly, Deke actually did this episode, mm. so I could go back and, and look at stuff again and comment on what Deke thinks about these things. And they rewrote stuff so that all of the emphasis is taken off of the love letter thing. Um, because I guess teenagers aren't supposed to date <laughs> in the United States. It's like the, the biggest difference that I noticed in the deep dub uh, of this episode. I mean, are they aware of actually what happens in the American schools? Also, does that mean that Jedi wasn't reading love letters? He was just like, hi, this is Haru no sensei. And I just wrote <laughs> you this letter to say, I like cheese. That is definitely read as being a love letter, but it's, 
I don't know. They they take the emphasis off of the like children writing the love letters. They they don't say the mm. word love letter. They really back off from it. And also Usagi makes the comment that like teachers never have boyfriends or something. It's very weird. <laughs> <laughs> don't tell me Miss H sent the love line a letter. It can't be her. Teachers never have boyfriends. I can kind of see wanting to de-emphasize the fact that, you know, Children are just miniature adults that have the same types of wants and feelings. (laughs) Given that large swaths of America don't really want to admit that, you know? Like, kids don't want to actually date each other. Boys have cooties. Well, they do, but, you know. Well, well, yeah. Hot cooties. (laughs) Yeah. So that's very interesting. (laughs) Hot cooties would be a great way to refer to COVID. I just want to put that. (laughs) Oh, my God. It's spicy cooties. <laughs> it's spicy deadly cooties. Get up, come on, get down with the sickness. I also think that perhaps because it's animated that they were trying to market it towards a younger audience who wouldn't necessarily mm. have interest in writing love letters and having a romance. Just because Usagi's 14 doesn't mean they anticipate that 14-year-olds would be watching it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's because it's a cartoon, and the majority of people watching cartoons at that time were like eight year olds. <laughs> it could just be there was no like nefarious reasoning behind it, other than the th- fact that they thought it would be more marketable. I guess that's true. Thank mm-hmm. you for stepping in to defend the uh, the giant corporation, Cass. I appreciate that. <laughs> I, I know I, I'm always on the side of the anime corporate machine. <laughs> <laughs> the anime industrial complex. There you go. <laughs> Join us for our next episode on pharmaceuticals. <laughs> oh my god, this is the perfect time. We have to point out that uh, in between the last episode of this podcast and this one, Viz no longer streams Sailor Moon for free on their website. <laughs> 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 they took it down because of us, and I needed to point that out. It has to be. Yeah, it literally has to be, because I found a nice way to make a professional-looking little advertisement that I posted on our Instagram, and I tagged them in it, and then literally the next day, Watch for Free was gone. Gone. (laughs) What did you do, Allie? I don't know. Like, they didn't respond to me. They just did what they were going to. Viz ghosted me. They're like, your move, podcast. This is some next level <gasps> stuff. This is Death Note. This is everything. I'll take a potato chip and eat it. This is the anime deep state in action. Oh my gosh. We're being watched by Viz. Turn off your cameras. <laughs> turn off your microphones. Yeah. And to Viz, I only have this to say. If you don't want us to succeed, if you want to hold us back, the only way to do that is to go on Apple Podcasts and rate us five stars. That's the only way you can do it, because it shows that you're the bigger person. Speaking of Viz, in this dub, the podcast host refers to himself as Jadite-O, which, really? Oh my god, can we talk about how he has the worst alias in the world no one will know who i am if i say i'm jadeite <laughs> instead of jadeite he is high key pretending to be a breakfast cereal right now and i am so not here for it <laughs> i'm glad that we all had that jadeito really 
reaction. <laughs> right. Which in the original Japanese dub, he goes with first initial J, last name Daito, which is very slightly more clever. Um, mm. But I propose that we change the dub so that he calls himself J. Dwight. <laughs> Uh, my name is J. Dwight Eisenhower. <laughs> no one will ever know. Exactly. <laughs> if you say it out loud, you're like, wait a minute. Isn't like, that you got me there? Isn't that just Jadeite? Like, is is he is he pretending to be a DJ now? Yeah, apparently he is. He's pretending to be a DJ on this show, and. It's just sad. It's just really sad. Although, we can't really be mad at Jadeite for doing what we're doing, right? Yeah, but we're not trying to be, in, like, disguising ourselves. Aren't we? <laughs> I, I mean, no. I mean, we didn't really give ourselves, like, nicknames to mask our true identities. I'm also not trying to collect everyone's energy. Or am I? Well, speak for yourself, Cass. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we gotta get that energy for the Negaverse, otherwise we are definitely gonna get laid off at the next team meeting. No. <laughs> well, now I know who's not a team player. <laughs> gonna put that into the next performance review. <laughs> Just send a passive-aggressive email here. <laughs> I'm gonna BCC the head of corporate on here, so that way it goes straight to the top. Per my last email, guys. God, I say that all the time at work. It's really bad. Oh, me too. Like, if anything pisses me off more, it's like, a, oh, I missed that. Well, if you actually read your fucking emails, Sam. Open the goddamn attachment. Yeah, that's the, for my last email is the, mm, girl, you better pay attention and stop screwing up. Well, I'd really appreciate it if you proofread your emails before you sent them to me. Usagi wants to write a letter to this podcast so that she can get one of the pretty flower brooches, which, understandable, but also back off. And Luna, in response, is like, bitch, you do not have time to write a rough draft. You have to get some sleep so you can be well-rested for your magical girl slash child soldier lifestyle. I appreciate that Luna is just being a hard ass. She is being responsible because Usagi is not. Yeah, it's weird, Allie. It's almost like Luna is acting like Usagi's elder, like a mentor figure, like someone who's a lot more mature than her. Like her mom. <laughs> well, I mean, like she should have a mom voice. Yeah, she, apparently no. she's younger than Usagi. Isn't that weird, Allie? Okay, look, just because she's younger doesn't mean that she can't be wiser. Hashtag this cat has big mom energy. Hashtag look. Give me a break. Usagi decides to go to bed in a huff uh, because this cat is squandering my creativity. Ruined my life, cat. Indeed. We cut to the next morning where Usagi's dad is reading about a sleeping sickness, which I assume is the events of Dot Hack Sign, which for the uninitiated <laughs> is a show where people are falling asleep forever because they're getting stuck in an MMO. A medieval fantasy MMO that mostly seems to be standing around and talking. I've leveled on a lot of roleplay servers, and that is pretty accurate to my experience. Mm. Insidious! He is made of meat, yet he has no meat. If you ever want a show to fall asleep to, I remember that being mostly why I watched it. It was on Adult <laughs> Swim before I went to bed, and I was like, oh, this is really relaxing because it's just anime characters walking around talking about a thing. <laughs> Yeah, my only real memories of Dot Hack Sign are my cousin yelling at me to watch it. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I think that's everyone's experience about it's it, right? It's true. Like, just watch it. It's good. Uh, and it having a really good soundtrack. It does have a good soundtrack. I agree with that. Yeah. And also that there is actually a video game 
or a series of video games based off of it, which I've never played because I ain't got time for that. I need to replay games that I've already played before. Right. You have to get through um, the Cool Spot video game for the eighth time. Oh, you don't even know. <laughs> like, this time around, I'm going to 100% it <laughs> on the first run. <laughs> that game was hard. Um <laughs> We're talking about anime. There is a really adorable scene with Usagi's parents. Her dad is really, really, really cute here because her mom is like, Open wide! And he does this just like adorable little kawaii anime face and it's so cute. It was adorable. Are you ready to hear me get mad about bread again? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm always ready for it. We did this for like 10 minutes last time, but yeah, go for it. <laughs> okay, that bread... The giant toast. Oh no, I hate that stupid giant toast. Wait, that's a thing? That giant bread is real? Yes. Yes. (laughs) I thought it was just like the people drawing it didn't know how big bread was. (laughs) No. No, that's that's bread. That is toast bread, basically. It's like Texas toast. It's thick. It's big. It's pillowy. And it's horrible. So it's good for French toast, and that's it. Yeah, but a lot of people have it for breakfast, for, like, Western-style breakfast. They'll just toast the toast and put butter or jam on it, and that's your breakfast is this one giant toast. <laughs> Whoa. So th- and there's, like, no nutritional value there. Oh, no. It is, like, the whitest white bread. You know how people <laughs> come to America and complain, oh, your bread is so sweet and tasteless, it's just like sugar. That horrible giant loaf of huge bread is even more tasteless and more just white sugar bread why is this a thing i don't know (laughs) i i hated that bread that bread was my enemy i stopped eating bread in japan because of that bread (laughs) that is that is not one of the takeaways i thought i would have gotten on this podcast but thank you cassie i will know to avoid summer in japan and also bread in japan (laughs) giant toast just don't take the giant toast wow Usagi apparently does not agree with you because she grabs one of those slices of bread and runs off to school, which she is late for again. It definitely doesn't matter this time because Haruna Sensei, played as always by Kurama from Yu Yu Hakusho, and no one will ever convince me otherwise. Yep. She's also late and super hungover. I know, right? Do they not have substitute teachers in Japan? Because this is like a prime example of a day where you call in, use one of those sick days, and drink some eggs with Tabasco sauce and pepper. No, they don't have that. (laughs) They don't have Spike Spiegel's hangover cure, or they don't have substitute teachers? Substitute teachers. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, great. Uh, Why? How does that work? I don't know. I think that other teachers just cover your classes. Oh, that Hmm. sucks. I mean... We've had people out sick when I was there, and we definitely did not have any substitute teachers. The only time that they had a replacement teacher was if a teacher was going to be out sick for a long time or was taking like a leave of absence. Really good to know. Thank you for that, Cass. Speaking of teachers, in addition to having a hangover, Haruna Sensei also has a magical flower brooch, which I told you they're pretty. They're really good. Uh, The colors definitely clash with her fuchsia suit, but then so does everything, I guess. Yeah. It's not my taste, the suit or the flower. What can I say? I'm a big fan of both. I'll let you have them. 
Well, yeah, it's my flower, you can't have it. Back off! Haruna-sensei passes out because of the flower, and she has her little podium thing that she takes a snooze on, and Usagi is like, yeah, this is gonna be the best school day ever. I'm all about that free period life. Yeah, my whole thinking about this was like, ugh, she was actually able to afford an ambulance ride? Fuck. I would be so mad if I just fell asleep and somebody called the ambulance and then you wake up and it's like, you're in debt now. Exactly. (laughs) Surprise. Like, I'm still fighting a time that I had an ambulance ride, I don't know, like eight years ago at this point, because I guess it's gone to collections, despite the fact that I paid the goddamn thing and talked to them about it. That was a thing I was going to ask Cassie. They have universal health care in Japan, right? Uh, Yeah, and you still pay something, but it's generally much less than we'd pay in this country. Right. Sometimes the job covers more. Whatever job you have, you can Mm. get, like, additional insurance. I was working a government job, so I think I had, like, the best insurance you could get. So I don't know that about people working non-government jobs. Yeah, so it's it's a system that can still leave some people disenfranchised because there are different tiers of healthcare accessibility. I don't know it to 100%, but a lot of people go to little clinics that are in their town or neighborhood, so they're not really going to the hospital very frequently. And a lot of the little clinics can do like larger medical Mm. procedures. They'll have a specialist come in like once a month to do different procedures. So you don't have to like travel to a larger hospital where the fees could be more. That's nice. I had to stay overnight in the little clinic in one of their hospital beds. And then I had a procedure done later in the week. And altogether, I think I paid like $70. Oh my god. (laughs) Meanwhile, I just got a copay that I have for a medical procedure. And it's like, oh great, $2,900. Yay! Oh jeez. Go America! Every everybody go vote. I'm uh, I'm shooting myself in the foot, making it so I have to get this out before <laughs> November second. But you know, Usagi sees that Haruna Sensei has passed out, and she's like, "Man, I'd love to be in a coma," which is a take. <laughs> yeah, it's a big mood. <laughs> Usagi's like, I don't want to live anymore. I just want to dream forever. Yeah, which is like, hey, Usagi, are you depressed? Do you need to talk to somebody? (laughs) We cut to uh, a radio station building, I guess. And inside the radio station executives are getting tons and tons of mail addressed to that one podcast that reads love letters. Again, send your not gross love letters to they're not cousins cast at gmail.com. If we receive even one explicit fanfic about Disney princesses being in love with each other, I will promptly read them, save them to my hard drive, and become emotionally attached <laughs> to those ships, but we will not read them on the podcast. Speak for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Allie, you can start your own podcast. <laughs> That'll be a special episode. <laughs> a very special episode. <laughs> Um, I love how they get these letters. They have no idea why they're getting all these letters, but they don't really question it. They're just like, I don't know, put them somewhere. Put them on a shelf for later. (laughs) What are they going to do with them later? I'm surprised that this radio station, because their response is, we don't have this radio program. Okay, so start this radio program. Clearly there is a demand. (laughs) Exactly. Where do they think the letters are coming from? Do they think every single woman in the Juban district is delusional? Do they not have someone in their radio station whose job it is to listen to the shows? It would be like if we put out our podcast and we didn't listen to the end result. <laughs> do you 
actually listen to yourself when you speak, or do you find you drift in and out? To your point, Cass, they're like, yeah, just put him somewhere, and an extremely fashionable young lady with short red hair and eyes that flicker like a Halloween decoration running on the same batteries you had in there last year comes up, offering to get rid of it. Oh, more of those letters? No, I'll take care of them for you. Great! Thank you for being such a team player. I love how Jada has a thing for Lady Yoma. Yes. Lady monsters. I don't know if, like, this is the biggest demographic in the Dark Kingdom, so he might have a very large pool of qualified monsters to pick from. For some reason, every time I see one of these monster women, I'm like, oh, maybe it's Jedi in disguise. But then... (laughs) But then I remember him in the fortune-telling episode where his disguise was like a trench coat and glasses and a hat in the middle of summer. And I'm like, no, no, he's not that good at disguises. No, he goes to the thrift store and he's just like, all right, middle of summer. What are we looking at here? Heavy winter coat. (laughs) Back outside, Usagi and Naru are walking by some Akira rejects and talking about this podcast. Not our podcast, but the one that reads the love letters, which we're also going to do, but the one in the show. It turns out that Naru's already sent a bunch of letters in, which is, hey, good for her, good initiative, Naru. She's one of those people that writes a, uh, she's a NaNoWriMo, and she actually (laughs) writes something. (laughs) Exactly. She is totally on top of her planning before November rolls around, and she's like, all right, guys, I'm doing it. I'm gonna hit that 50,000 word mark, I've got my plan, I'm on top of it, leave me alone for the rest of this month. So that way I can take care of this and I can get my little badge on the website and do nothing else with this thing ever again. (laughs) (laughs) And she posts her results to her Facebook or whatever. And you're just like, oh, wow, that could be me. But it's not. And it never will be. Yep. And she posts her updates on a blog that nobody reads. But that's okay because it gives her satisfaction. Yeah, she's happy with her life. She's found contentment in what she does and in her writing and... Oh. Worn out faces. Any who's will be. Uh, <laughs> Usagi and Naru are talking about this thing, and Usagi walks into a telephone pole while talking about potential future boyfriends, which seems to suggest that Usagi will fall in love with this telephone pole, which I get it. It's <laughs> tall, it has a career, and as long yep. as it doesn't get struck by lightning, it'll always be there for you. It's not Motoki, but, you know, there are worse guys you could date. It could be Motoki if you put a wig on it. <laughs> Motoki is just a telephone pole with a wig on him? Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Oh, I did want to point out that there was a brief scene where Luna is for some reason at the arcade and Motoki is there and he's like, oh, I'll go get you some milk because I care about your needs and I'm anticipating what you would like and I'm just going to make your life better. And Luna is like, oh man, I also have the hots for this guy. And I'm like, yeah, somebody date this guy. He's perfect. (laughs) Well, I also realized by that scene, in my mind, Motoki was like in high school. But he has to have graduated because he's working during the day while Usagi's at school. So he's like way too old for Usagi. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. I had not considered that he might be too old. Oh, bummer. That was my ship. Well, now my ship has yeah. sunk. I mean, I'm pretty sure our unidentified stranger that makes fun of Usagi all the time, <laughs> Mamo-chan, <laughs> is also way too old for her, so. Oh, yes, that is true, yeah. too. But... You know what? This is a fantasy. Yeah. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. It is a fantasy. And I want to know, how does this character still not have a name? We have not heard his name yet in the show. (laughs) Because it's just some dick that she sees on the street all the time. 
Like, literally every time she's doing something dumb in the road, yep. he's there. He, he's just peeping and creeping. I feel like the two previous episodes, <laughs> he was just kind of being offhandedly like, you know, whatever, I don't care about you. But this time he is actively making fun of her and being an actual asshole, and it sucks. I know walking and talking at the same time is difficult for you, but you really should pay attention to where you're going. <laughs> oh, shut up! He's like, haha, 14 year old, you suck. Yeah, yep. I, uh, I do not like this guy. I don't like this ship. I'm not looking forward to seeing where that goes. And this is why I'm just <laughs> going to stop caring about Serena and start caring about oh, crap. <laughs> you were doing so well. <laughs> I was doing so well. Last episode, I didn't even do it once. You can call her Serena. <laughs> Serena's fine. We all know who you're talking about. Oh, God. I hate this guy. I'm going to refer to him as Darian. And that's not a mistake. That's intentional because he doesn't have a fucking name yet. <laughs> <laughs> Darian. He is Darian, Connecticut, and I hate him. <laughs> there is nothing gorgeous about him. I am so annoyed. Stupid turtle Let us move on back to Usagi's house. She pulls out some adorable stationery in her room and attempts to write a love letter from scratch. Did you notice something very odd about this scene, or was I the only one? Uh, what was it? Why are her hands suddenly so small? Oh no, what? <laughs> her hands were so tiny in the scene. It was like she was doing the tiny hand challenge. They were incredibly tiny. <laughs> oh, I remember she was wearing her pajamas and they're like stuck in the sleeves and it's all cute. No, she like put her hands up to her face and her whole hands were just small. Like whoever was on hand drawing duty did not do a good job drawing the hands. Hear me out. Hear me out. Okay. This is related to the bread. The animator for this episode was trying to draw regular size bread and regular size hands, and they fucked up. Oh my god, I'm crying. <laughs> oh, it was like she had the tiny hand challenge, like she was holding those little plastic hands oh instead of having real hands. I mean, sometimes you have to do weird stuff to get into your writing headspace. I'm not going to judge her uh, <laughs> her methods. Everyone's process is different. Exactly. She's got like a pen taped on her plastic hand <laughs> trying to write. Oh my god, I'm yes. amazed that I'm the only one that noticed that because that was the first thing I noticed. I think I, I was too busy writing my note about aphantasia to really be paying attention to the size of her hands. <laughs> Uh, and this is the episode of the podcast where I learned that Allie just really loves crocodiles and tutus and hippopotamuses doing ballet and stuff. <laughs> we just said we weren't going to talk about that in the podcast. <laughs> it's all out in the open now. The truth comes out. <laughs> Exposed. See, Allie has aphantasia and Josie just has fantasia. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Neither are treatable. No. Oh, no, not at all. <laughs> we're in a support group for it. It's a very weird support group. We've told you that we're writing poetry, Cass, but really we're just <laughs> working through some things. <laughs> uh, you could do both. I think we've been doing both. <laughs> So speaking of poetry, I would argue that love letters are basically poetry that you are addressing to someone, and it is tough to write, and that is why her attempts fall flat, because she's writing to a hypothetical boyfriend who she does not know anything about and has no feelings for, mm. but she's not giving up. She decides to go talk to Jadeite Flakes, but he doesn't exist. But this is the 
FM 10 radio station, isn't it? Yes, but we don't do a program called Midnight Zero here, and we never have. Which is weird, because the show <laughs> comes on anyway. Mystery. We get to see Jadeite in the recording booth as he reads one of Naru's letters, and the next day, Naru's in class, where she's showing off her magical flower brooch. She puts it on, she immediately falls asleep, and Usagi tries to pull it off of her, and in a twist that surprises no one, she also falls asleep, entering into a stupid dream that I hate. I liked Usagi's dream. I liked how she was, like, floating on sparkles across the moon. No, that's cute. The part that I hate is that Tuxedo Mask is there. (laughs) (laughs) He's, for once, not being a total dink to Usagi, and uh, so in response, she hits him with a truly epic pickup line. Are you my future boyfriend? But oh no, Luna wakes her up before she knows his identity. I was really curious on, like, what his face would look like in her dream yes <laughs> i was fully expecting it to be umino oh gosh <laughs> his dating game was right yeah <laughs> well if we've learned anything it's that the reason that we don't actually see what tuxedo masks real identity is is because of the aphantasia oh. and because she can't think creatively this is why she's constantly bamboozled yeah, that explains everything. <laughs> and it also explains why all of her brooms are walking around and flooding her house. Exactly. <laughs> I think Luna should really let Usagi sleep. It is late in the episode, and everything's going to get taken care of by Sailor V anyway. Sailor V! And the Juban District Special Crimes Unit. The chief is like... I've heard of Sleeping Beauty, but this is ridiculous. What do you think, V? And Sailor V is like, I don't know, Chief. I don't see any spinning wheels around, but I get the feeling it has to do with a pretty big prick. (laughs) Right? It's funny, because I was thinking earlier that, like, if Usagi was Sleeping Beauty, she would go out trying to find the spinning wheel to touch her finger to it so she could sleep forever. Yes. Oh, she absolutely would. And that is, a, again, a huge mood. And another reason why I am Usagi. <laughs> Just let me sleep. <laughs> and then Darian as Prince Philip is like, hey, you stupid idiot, I can't believe you're sleeping right now. What a dumbass. <laughs> get the fuck up and get a job, hippie. <laughs> I'm gonna go fight a stupid dragon. What have you done with your life lately? (laughs) Oh, God. I love that movie. Okay. Uh, Speaking of Jadeite, because that was what I was doing, (laughs) he has the weirdest energy collection face, and I think this plays into the whole small hand slash big bread thing. I think that animator was also drawing Jadeite's face in this scene. At that moment, I literally wrote down, oh, no. Jadeite makes me feel sad. (laughs) what happened? He, like, melted in the sun. (laughs) Whenever he's doing the energy collecting scenes, I always just get anxious for him because I think, Jadeite, bank the energy. Put the energy in a box. Can I get a box? And send it to Queen Beryl because you're going to lose it. Yeah, I have definitely, definitely started doing that as well where I'm just, like, looking at the cloud of energy in his hands as he's gloating about how well the plan is going. I'm like, dude... (laughs) Dude, you gotta, you gotta, like, put that away. You're getting ahead of yourself again. We've talked about this. <laughs> if it was the weakest link, they would send him home. <laughs> yeah. Goodbye. <laughs> well, I get that distinct feeling because Allie spoiled Sailor Moon for me and then I deleted her email. Fight the planet! Uh, I know that Jadeite doesn't stick around and I'm definitely seeing why. <laughs> 
He is the weakest link. He doesn't know when to bank that energy. Yep. Yeah, that termination has to be coming up. I'm guessing next episode. He cannot keep getting away with this. Oh, it's going to go on for a little bit longer. Yeah, because again, this is how you can tell that it's a fantasy and not real life. Because if it was America, then he would have been out on his ass forever ago. Yeah, most of the show at this point would just be Jadeite, like, trying to find housing for himself and not being able to afford food and really struggling <laughs> through the welfare system in the United States. And wait, yep. why are they in the U.S. now? <laughs> <laughs> I did not think that scenario through, but yeah, that's yeah. that's uh, what happens. I guess he moves to America in order to get a better job. Well, yeah, he ends up uh, getting put onto the American Sailor Moon. <laughs> oh my god, I was about to say, he works at Deke, that explains everything. Exactly. Do we mean like the Deke Sailor Moon or that terrible live action slash anime? I was thinking of the terrible live action. Okay. Sometimes she's a superhero for the world. Sailor, Sailor Moon. Oh, right, it was live action, but there was also going to be the, like, little animated sections that were done in He-Man style. Yeah, exactly. it's like when she transformed, that would be the section that was animated. And that's where Jadeite would be hanging out, creeping. Just creeping. Who could have guessed that the hearts of girls in love held such incredibly powerful energy? Jadeite and his super fashionable redhead take a second to gloat about their super successful plan. They haven't been stopped by a middle schooler even once so far. Not for lack of trying, because Usagi and Luna have decided to investigate on account of all the comas that are happening. Usagi's jealous of the comas, so she wants to get to the radio station so she can get a coma too. Yeah, she's like, flower please. Yeah, and you know, if nobody's gonna give it to me while I'm at home, I'm gonna go straight to the source. Yes. Good job, Usagi. But she is worried about how they're going to get into the facility. So Luna activates her cheese powers to create a cheese pen. It's not a cheese pen. It's actually really cute, and I want one. Um, you don't know what it's made out of. I guess, you know, I guess that's true. That's not an assumption I can afford to make with Sailor Moon. It's true. So this cheesy pen, pretty much the best magical item that we've seen so far, because, you know, it, it works. It'll change your appearance. You can disguise yourself oh. as someone who works here. If you had that pen in real life, you could just walk into a cable news set and tell everyone how much Rupert Murdoch is poisoning our society. Exactly. And it would take you seriously because you looked like you belonged there. But it does not give her the power to walk in heels. It does not. It does not, which is yeah. sad. It's also big alley energy right there. <laughs> Don't put me in pumps ever. <laughs> Just falling out of her shoes. Yep. <laughs> I'm glad that other people related to this scene because I remember the scene so, so vividly of this transformation and Usagi's new appearance. For anyone in the audience who hasn't already figured it out, I am trans and rewatching the scene for the first time, it struck me so profoundly. I don't know why, but my heart and brain teamed up in that mm. moment to be like, oh, I wish I could be like her. Aww. That wasn't the first time I had had thoughts like that, but for some reason this scene really, really hit me hard. This was a really important show for me. It kind of allowed me to, in some small way, accept some small part of the things that I actually liked and actually wanted for myself. And uh, yeah, so that is... Thank you for sharing. Yeah, well, you know, I, I figure it's important to have uh, representation and to, to let people know that this is what people go through. This is, you know, even as a child watching this, not having the language to talk about what was happening with me and not knowing who I was or what I was or anything. In this moment, there was clarity. Media can be really important and really helpful for that. Yeah, I think it's nice that even though, you know, I don't think Sailor Moon was created with any intent to do that, that it 
it's in some roundabout way helped you and maybe helped other people. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, people sound off and leave us a five star review if Sailor Moon made you trans. <laughs> <laughs> and leave us a five star review even if it didn't. Yeah, definitely. I mean, cis people are valid too. But yeah, she is magically endowed with this like bright pink outfit that I love. It has a little sweetheart oh, so neckline good. and white heels that she trips on immediately. Her haircut changes to be like short and wavy and she gets a little bit of subtle makeup and those goddamn sunglasses. When she put those on, I screamed. I was like, oh my god. <laughs> so good. She looks so 90s cool. Yeah, exactly. She looks so Freaking 90s cool, and it's a bad sign that in 2020, here I am. Older all the time. I'm like, oh man, I wish I could look like that. <laughs> Luna is not into it, which, yeah, she's a cat. I would expect her to not have any fashion sense, but she can't stop Usagi from waltzing into the studio, storming past Jadeite Oats Flunky, and taking a seat <laughs> in the recording booth to drop some tea on the Juban district. The brooches that this radio program has been sending out to its listeners are extremely dangerous. If you receive one, don't touch it under any circumstances. And this is basically what I want to do on Fox News. I just want to walk there and be like, hey, these people are lying to you. You should do something about it. Truth. And as she was doing that, I was thinking, what if you were actually in the audience listening to it? What were you thinking, you know? Like, what was going through your mind? Like, I just wanted to listen to some people spill their hearts on a syndicated talk show. And now this woman just barges in. Who does she think she is? I think she has the benefit of being on radio because, you know, if she's on television, they could say, like, who's this woman? I'm going to say she doesn't look official. But on the radio, they just get the voice. And if your Mm. voice sounds authoritative... You know, why not believe it? I want to point out that uh, in in the Deke dub, that um, that logic doesn't necessarily hold up. I don't want to be a pancake! Jedi's fashion friend blasts through a glass window and transforms into a Dragon Ball Z extra cosplaying as a Flintstones extra who can breathe explosions, basically. <laughs> I love that you brought that up because when Jedi was using his power, it sounded like it was some fucking Hanna-Barbera sound effects. And I was like expecting Yogi Bear at any moment to come through looking for his picnic basket. (laughs) I also wanted to point out that I'm pretty sure the door to the studio was open. So the reason she jumped through the window was just to be extra dramatic. It was so good. She was like a beautiful gazelle. (laughs) (laughs) She definitely was. She is the most menacing Negaverse monster we have seen so far because everybody else has just been like, oh, I'm going to make some zombies out of normal people. And she's like, fuck it, Dr. Octagonopus. Yeah, I noted that. I was like, no zombies this time. (laughs) In response to these explosions, Usagi transforms into Sailor Moon and informs the bad guys that the concept of trapping women in eternal slumber is copyrighted by Disney, so their podcast (laughs) is shut down. You are canceled. Copyright strike. Corporate cancel culture. (laughs) Uh, That's going to happen to us. Instead of throwing her tiara, she's throwing like a cease and desist order. (laughs) DMCA takedown. Action. (laughs) I'm in danger. I do need to dip back into the deke dub for one more moment because when Terry Hawks did the line to transform into uh, Sailor Moon in the scene, she says, moon prism power and make it fast. And then later, (laughs) when Jedi deflects her tiara, she's like, you can't do that. It's supposed to work every time. And those are the little (laughs) things that I still remember fondly about that version, where it's a little bit of meta humor, like the writers are winking at us. 
in a non-sexual way, of course, because nobody ever writes love letters in the Christian Minecraft server that is the United States. (laughs) The only appropriate response to turning into Sailor Moon is to shoot blasts of energy out of your mouth with extreme prejudice, and that's what the Demona Mm -hmm. knockoff does here. Frau, we trusted you. How could you, Frau? Come on, Frau, you're better than this. I thought we were friends, Frau. (laughs) Whatever gave you that idea? Well, you were fashionable and cool. (laughs) I want to be friends with cool people. (laughs) One time, she punched me in the face. It was awesome. And at this betrayal, Sailor Moon freaks out, and she jumps through a hole in the ceiling. (laughs) And you remember how in the last episode, the last episode of the podcast, I said that the fight felt sort of tacked on and pointless? This one is so much better. This involves changes in scenery, the tiara attack doesn't work at first, and then bam, turns out hats are just boomerangs because it whips back to slice the bad guy in half. Yeah, that really was like, chop, chop. I didn't even just hit you. You're just completely sliced in half. Yeah, which they kept in the deep dub. <laughs> I was shocked at that. Well, there's no blood. No, just a person being literally torn in two. <laughs> <laughs> we also get to see Sailor Moon take on Jadeite Bran himself. And I'm like, yeah, I really, really want this fight. This is great. This is cool. I'm here for it. And then, surprise! Surprise! (laughs) He deflects the tiara, makes a force field to deflect Usagi's attempt at a suplex, because this is not a toddler (laughs) fight, and it looks like Jadeite has won. But then, for the first time ever in this entire rewatch, we get a tuxedo mask appearance that feels like it's actually needed. (laughs) It's actually useful. Yeah, Jada is stopped in his tracks, and the and it's over immediately. Like tuxedo mask, yeah, is like flying (laughs) overhead. He's just gone, and he cackled so crazily. He's so weird in this episode. (laughs) Why was he laughing like that? (laughs) Mamo-chan, who hurt you? Uh, I think that maybe his jealousy over the telephone pole has just manifested and he is like fully in a psychotic episode right now. (laughs) Jadeite disappears and leaves Usagi to drool over Tuxedo Mask again. You're killing me, Usagi. You really are. (laughs) How can she think suddenly that's her crush after he laughs like that? As a person who ignored all of the red flags in many of my relationships. Mm. You are Usagi. (laughs) Allie is, hashtag Allie is Usagi. Oh no. Ignoring the red flags, dating someone who is a lot older than me, who is a bad idea. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, here we are. (laughs) I just, I'm, I'm imagining like in real life, if you knew someone, like if you were dating somebody and you were at like a movie theater and you were watching a funny movie and that laugh came out of that person, you would just leave, right? And all of the theater, everyone there would also leave. <laughs> the fight is over and we go back to the school. It is the next day and Usagi is writing a love letter to Castanet Jimmy, as I'm going to refer to him. <laughs> oh, Castanet Jimmy. <laughs> Castanet Jimmy actually sounds like a band member of like a really cool ska band, so I'm not even mad. Yeah, no, not at all. It's perfect. Uh, Naru makes fun of her for this note and threatens to read the letter out loud to the class. Haruna-sensei is also back, and she's totally into show and tell of the personal correspondence variety. Uh, So Naru and Haruna Mm -hmm. chase Usagi around the classroom, bringing the episode to an amusing and slightly troubling end. (laughs) 
Yes. Because <laughs> is there anything better than having an authority figure in your life threaten to expose your deepest, darkest love letter secrets? To all of your peers. Yeah. And I also wonder how Usagi thinks she's going to give that love letter to Tuxedo Mask. Yeah, she makes a point that she is definitely going to give it to him because at one point in the episode, Luna's like, oh, love letter, there's no point if you don't give it to the person you love. And yeah, so Usagi needs to hold on to that piece of paper, stick it somewhere in her sailor uniform, and then bring it into a fight. And when he throws the rose, you need to throw this letter at him. But then is she writing it as Sailor Moon or as Usagi? Because she can't write it as Usagi and then give it as Sailor Moon. Well, she could do the thing where she's like, oh, my friend Usagi, who is really cool and beautiful and uh, and she's great, <laughs> she wants to give you this letter and she's definitely not me. And I'm totally not (laughs) (laughs) Spider-Man. That's a crossover I want. Jameson's son, John, was leading the project, but construction came to a halt when his team came across an archaeological find. Wait, there's archaeology on the moon? You know what's even better, though, is uh, this episode of Sailor Moon. What did you think, Cassie? (laughs) I actually really liked this episode (laughs) while I was watching it. This time around, I was pretty sure that there was the Deke version of this one um, because it was very familiar. She gets her little transformation pen so she can pretend to be other people, like transform into her little costumes in the future episodes. That's one of my favorite Mm -hmm. things is when she's like, moon power, make me a beautiful nurse. Like, moon power, make me a shrine maiden. Like (laughs) All her just ridiculous outfits that she gets to transform into later, like if they originate from this episode. And the, um, you know, the love letter part is cute. It's treated, like, you know, nicely. Yeah. Nothing weird about it. It's just write a love letter to your crush and give it to them like a normal person. It's a very cute Mm -hmm. idea. And it's it's so weird to me that it was so downplayed in the Deke dub. Um, It's, like, so harmless. It's just very cute and very fun. Yeah, I still think that could just be to the age group they are trying Mm -hmm. to market it to. They sometimes make really strange decisions based on what demographic they're trying to market to. (laughs) Didn't they cancel Teen Titans or something because not enough boys were watching it and only girls were watching it? Wow. That would make me so mad. That show was so good. I'm pretty sure that's what happened. So, like, they make very strange decisions based on whatever demographic they'll want to have watching the show. Corporate cancel culture strikes again. Allie, tell me what you thought about the episode so that I can get that bad taste out of my mouth. (laughs) Sure thing. Sorry. Um, So I also really enjoyed the episode. I think that my favorite moments were getting a little bit more of a glimpse into the personal lives of Naru and Haruna. I feel like these moments really help to give a more well-rounded sense of who these characters are. Oh, yeah. So like, I really love the whole conceit of, I'm going to write a love letter. I'm going to send it. Mm. Yeah. So that really worked for me. Of course, I love the transformation pen. If I have any disappointments about the episode, it is that the fight ended so early. But Mm -hmm. at the same time, I appreciated that Tuxedo Common actually did something that frickin' mattered. (laughs) Even if he is crazy. (laughs) You know, she's got her confidence up. She's beaten a lot of these monsters already. And then they put her against Jedi and she just can't do anything. She beats the monster so quickly, like, oh, I'm building confidence, and then they shut her down. It's a very good from a story perspective, too. Yeah, and obviously, I liked the episode. It was really fun. It was 
just enjoyable. Like, there's no real mystery to it. Everything is completely out in the open. You know what's happening from start to finish. It's not like there's any figuring out that you're doing. Obviously, it's an important episode because I have such sort of fond... Uh, vivid memories of it making a difference to me as a child. Of course, I then proceeded to push all that stuff down for like 15 years, but that's another story. Um, (laughs) uh, I think that we are good to go into our segment that will help guide us to live ethical and wholesome lives because Mm -hmm. we sure as heck aren't doing that on our own. And Viz refuses to release official Sailor Moon Says videos in this, the year 2020. (sighs) So we are doing it for them. Doing all the work. (laughs) Wheel of morality, turn, turn, turn. Tell us the lesson that we should learn. I will go first in this segment because otherwise the anxiety of waiting will destroy my brain. Sailor Moon says... (laughs) Moral number one. Now is almost certainly the perfect time to start your own podcast. You don't need improv skills or a deep understanding of the material. It doesn't even matter what you want to talk about. It could be anime, or pop culture from 30 years ago, or love letters sent in by your listeners. Again, they're not cousinscast at gmail.com. If you send us sexy Inspector Gadget getting an oil change POV stories, we will not read them. The success of your brand new show doesn't rely on your pre-existing popularity on the internet by any stretch of the imagination. Just get yourself an $800 microphone and do it. Perfect. That's what we're doing. Thanks, Sailor Moon. (laughs) (laughs) And what about you, Cassie? All right, well... Moral number two. Do you have a late assignment? Do you not want to go to school because you just hate school? Just give your teacher a sleeping sickness. A disease? A talisman? A curse? It doesn't matter, as long as you get extra time to do what you want to (laughs) do. If you have free period all day, then you can just sit around and talk with your friends and not do your homework, and then tomorrow will be exactly the same as it was yesterday, but another day will have gone by. Yay, the passage of time. Hooray! (laughs) This this podcast is sponsored by the passage of time. You need it, you want it, especially right now. Oh my god, please give me the passage of time. Please, can it be 2021 already? (laughs) Moral number three. If your podcast doesn't take off, just run a pirate radio station out of your garage. That way, you'll always get new listeners who flip through the channels while commuting to their thankless, underpaid jobs. It's the best way for you to get exposure for the least amount of effort. Plus, you can always stop recording before the cops come and shut you down. (laughs) Yeah, you absolutely can. We're not going to. We're going to keep recording, even if they take us to jail for doing the Sailor Moon podcast. I'm looking at you, Viz. We're clutching our microphones in the prison. Mrs. Cassie, recording in secret from the toilet in the prison. They snuck the microphone in a cake. Oh my god, I love that idea. You don't send a file, you don't send a saw, you don't send a shovel, you send a microphone. You hear, like, licking noises from someone, like, licking the cake off the microphone. Oh god, that's a great segment idea. Welcome to Licking Time with Cassie. (laughs) Welcome to Licking Things You Shouldn't with Cassie. Oh, no. <laughs> Today I'm going to lick this microphone. It's always the microphone. 
because you should never lick your microphone, so it's always relevant. I'm just imagining in the far future, we have this massive fan base. This will not happen. This is a complete fantasy. Don't worry, three people that are listening. We're not putting any pressure on you to let people know about our <laughs> podcast and tell your friends and like create word of mouth buzz. Like we're not, don't, don't even worry about it. Um, yeah, no. <laughs> why, why would we put that? Oh, no. <laughs> but I, I'm imagining we have a, like a million subscribers and people are just like, Ugh, I liked it better when Cassie was licking the lower quality mic because it just, you know, picked up more of the sound of her taste buds dragging it, over the metal. And other people were like, it was so much more real yeah. before they went corporate. <laughs> before they got that Viz sponsorship. <laughs> On that note, Allie, would you mind letting all the wonderful people out there know where they can find this and all future episodes of our podcast? Definitely. You can follow us on social media at NotCousinsCast on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. We're also available on They'reNotCousinsCast.com. You can email us at They'reNotCousinsCast at gmail.com. And you can listen to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Pocket Casts, Podbean, Amazon Music, and pretty much any other place that you can use our RSS feed from our website. And the final thing that I wanted to ask too is, is anyone actually interested in like a Patreon or something? It could be useful for us to try and raise some funds so that way we can get things out a little sooner. Feel free to uh, shoot us a line at they're not cousins cast at Gmail to let us know. You can also, you know, leave a comment pretty much anywhere too. Yeah, absolutely. We'd also like to thank Zach Meow who wrote and produced our theme music. You can find them on iTunes and Spotify. He has a ton of really amazing tracks. Go check him out. You'll love it. That's it for our show. We'll be back next time. And I really hope that you'll join us. I'm Josie. I'm Allie. And I'm Cassie. And we may not know everything about Sailor Moon, but we do know they're they're not cousins. God, I am like, my brain is exploding. It's great. <clears throat> with, with exploding with thoughts? Uh, no, the opposite of that. Goop. <laughs> goop. Oh no. Goop no is goop. the opposite of thoughts. Um, <laughs> hmm. Yeah, that is a dig at Gwyneth Paltrow, and no, it's not going to make it into the podcast, which makes me sad. <laughs> We're not going to talk about her vagina on this pod. <laughs> Hashtag not sponsored by Gwyneth Paltrow. Oh God, fuck Gwyneth Paltrow. <laughs> Oh, what a weirdo.